0: Inter-Miami team, but also no goals. Hello everybody and welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, aka Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to podcast on Inter-Miami, a podcast that, as you may have heard, has been listened to in more than 50 countries. I am Franco Penizo, one third of the hosting team of this podcast, and I am also Officially a Sun Sentinel sports reporter, which I'm very excited about and very happy to share. I shared it earlier this week on social media. It's been a long, long time coming. My first full-time writing job for a newspaper, so I'm very, very excited. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Inter Miami. And joining me, of course, are my two co-hosts, Steve El Primo Brenner and Jose Cinco Armando. We will start with you, Steve. How are you doing on this very fine Wednesday evening in South Florida?
1: I'm very, I'm very well, mate. Um, congratulations on your on your job. That's that's good to know moving thank forward, you, you. Uh, which is which is great. And um, yeah, enjoyed the game. The other night, good to be back. Well, seen a decent crowd. Uh, not a bad game, considering there were there were no goals. And um, yeah, we're like into the swing of it. I'm sure we're going to touch near. We spoke with various people down at the training ground today, so it feels like
0: everything's back in full swing. Jose, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm very good. Congrats
2: again. Um, I'm very good and very excited because I am going to announce right now that uh, my football manager career is about to start. Yes. (laughs) My football manager career will be underway and hopefully I am able to do well. Uh, I think uh, El Primo has done a very, very good job. Um, You know, I'm, I'm now thinking that maybe he owns football manager exactly he, he low-key lo, yes
0: yes he he low-key works for them low-key and he's been sneaking yes. it in here on a weekly basis free marketing <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's got that little seed in your head and now for, for those that don't know or for those that are maybe that don't tune in on a very weekly basis Steve has since I guess the beginning of this year since preseason began dropped in a Football Manager reference practically on every single podcast. And we <laughs> and we've actually like, you know, jokingly made fun of of his of his gaming habits. Uh, but today during, before the press conferences, we were talking about that. Again, we were poking fun at, at, at El Primo, and then out of nowhere that turned into a full-on conversation about the game and Jose was like, "Wow, I'm very intrigued by this." And then and then when Steve said, yeah, the Honduran League is in it, Jose was on board. Hook, yeah. line, and sinker. Jose said, okay, you got me. You got me. Motagua's in the game. I'm getting that game. He, never mind that Motagua just lost 5-0 to to the Seattle Sounders in real life, but Jose, oh. the, Mot- <laughs> the, the Motagua diehard, said, okay, I'm getting this game. So Jose and Steve will both be dropping football manager references in the very near future on this podcast, I imagine.
2: Absolutely, and and just to be clear, I am winning multiple championships very quickly, so I'm going for it all. <laughs> Good luck with that.
0: Good luck. <laughs> Steve, who, who, how, but, Quick, give us a quick update, Steve. How's, how's your football manager going? Uh, which which team are you coaching now? Because every week I, it's a new yeah, team. I've transitioned,
1: I've transitioned now. I left with a plate after eight games, uh, mainly because there was actually a winter update in the game, and... I just I just wanted to start fresh. I lost the pocket Juniors and threw my toys out of the pram and left. I'm now managing Borussia Dorman. I feel this is a good fit, good young squad. Uh, Erling Haaland, naturally, is one of the best players in the game. He's absolutely sensational. Uh, Jude Bellingham, Marco Royce. Um, yeah, I've just uh, signed Chilean legend Gary Modell. Uh, I've got Joe Gelhart from Leeds. Uh, yeah, and we, we're doing well. I beat Bayern Munich in the Super Cup, and I'm just about to start my Champions League campaign. So uh, more fascinating updates next week. But... So, anyone that's listening, it does give you a good grip on just soccer in general, world soccer, and uh, even managing MLS, the various different guidelines and rules and regulations that you have to go through. So it's uh, if, it's very time-consuming, but it is a hell of a lot of fun, and I would recommend it thoroughly to anyone, including Jose, who's going to get stuck into the uh, – he's going to be Honduran national team manager in about three weeks. see it.
0: Weeks? All right. Yeah, you got me excited well, now. And this right, podcast right. is brought to you by Football Manager. Now, <laughs> Steve Steve just gave them like the perfect intro, the perfect marketing speech. I mean, Steve, use your connects, man. Let's let's get Football Manager to sponsor this podcast because it practically does already without without us getting any compensation. So no, listen, we're not going to spend the whole pod talking about football manager because we're going to actually talk about an inter-Miami game that mattered for points. The season is under way they tied the chicago fire 0-0 we will dive into that game analyze it a good bit as well as some of the individual performances in it including noah allen and gonzalo higuain we'll also touch on Blaise matuidi's very interesting new role within the organization and of course we'll preview this weekend's upcoming game against austin fc and answer your questions at the end of the pod so Guys, let's not waste any more time, especially on Football Manager. Let's get to it. Okay, fellas. So, as we know, Inter-Miami opened its 2022 MLS season this past Saturday at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, with a goalless draw against the Chicago Fire. Inter-Miami came out in a 5-3-2 formation, and it had Clement Diop... In goal, the right wing back was DeAndre Yedlin. Your three center backs from right to left were Jairo Quinteros, Damian Lowe, and Christopher McVeigh. The left wing back, the surprise left wing back was Noah Allen, who was signed from a, or on a short term loan from Inter Miami 2, formerly known as Fort Lauderdale CF. That news happened late last week, but we'll dive into that a little bit later. Your midfield trio were from right to left. Gene Mota, Gregory, and Mo Adams. Up top, you had the front two of uh, Leonardo Campana on the right and Gonzalo Higuain on the left. And like I said before, it ended scoreless. But but for me, El Partido nos dejó con buenas sensaciones. The game left you with a good overall feeling about the direction the team is headed in, a good sensation about the team. Obviously, there's a lot to touch on there, but let's start with Steve. What did you learn about this version of Inter-Miami on Saturday? Or one thing you learned from Inter-Miami on Saturday? I just Saturday. thought
1: the team looked fresh. It looked rebooted. It, it was a, obviously a new team, nine debuts. I just think there was just a freshness about it, which I guess is evident because there were so many new players. But that, that's what they needed to do. And yeah, they haven't had the money to to spend maybe and get the the higher caliber player that they wanted. But I just felt there was a freshness about yeah, and I think that's that's what they that's what they said that's what they had to do that's what they said they were going to do and they've done it.
0: Jose, what was again, not your biggest takeaway, I guess it could be a biggest takeaway, but what did we learn about this team? One thing that we learned about this Inter Miami side on Saturday night against the Chicago Fire.
2: Well, I think that they showed something that's really important and that's the ability to um to respond to to a call from the coach that that was asking them to a little bit better in the second half, right? Because they play a first half in which they showed more what we were expecting from them, you know, being a defensive team. But in the second half and and taking into account what Phil said in the in the post game press conference in in which he talked about, you know, having leadership talk to 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 the players and 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 the coaching staff demanding a little bit more, getting away from the nerves early on. But playing, you know, just just a little bit more with, with a little bit more intensity and they did it in the second half. So that tells me that, you know, that feels is in control, that players believe in him right now. And um, I think that's, that's really important. And they showed it uh, over the weekend.
0: What I learned, and again, there was a lot of things, but if there's one big, big, big takeaway that I learned is that this team does have more cohesion already than last year's team in terms of, uh, the ability to cover for one another, the ability to, to scrap and fight for one another. When one player makes a mistake, there's other ones there to bail them out. That happened not as often as you would like last year. This looked like a more cohesive, uh, better-drilled team. And, th- and that comes from just being a more collective side. And obviously, it's only the first game of the season with a bunch of new pieces. So you imagine that will only get better as the season as the season goes on, as the year goes on. So that was... The b- biggest thing I learned from this group, obviously we had seen it in preseason, but as we know, preseason games can be abnormal depending on the number of substitutions. Uh, sometimes the level of the opponent isn't you know, isn't an MLS team, so there's a lot of different things to, to, to assess when you're analyzing a preseason game. This was the first game of the year, and I liked what I saw from a cohesive standpoint. It doesn't mean necessarily from a soccer standpoint, <clears throat> but from a cohesive standpoint, I liked what I saw, generally speaking. Now we'll dive into the little more, a little more of the specifics, starting with Noah Allen, the left wing back, seventeen years old, Pembroke Pines native, gets the nod at left wing back ahead of Brett Shea, who did come into the game but only played about a quarter of an hour or so. Jose, what did you think about Noah Allen's performance overall? Obviously, Inter Miami got a clean sheet, but what did you think of him just individually there at that left wing back spot?
2: Well. You know, I think it was good. I think it was good. I think you know he obviously had mistakes, caught out of position at times. But you know, um, it's not going to be perfect, and especially when you're that young, 17 years old. Um, but but I think we saw the talent in him. I mean, if if you go back to the the previous episodes on the pod, we we talked about him. We talked about him because you know that's that's the beauty of being able to. To go to training sessions, you know, you have that opportunity to watch the players before they actually make it to an official match, and and we saw him during preseason, and and he showed that he 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 actually has the talent to compete at this level. Um, obviously, you know, with Gibbs and 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 Brick Shea, um, out. Well, at least Gibbs out and Shea unavailable uh, to start. You know that open open an opportunity for him, but I think he delivered. You know, I I think he's uh, as as a wingback, he's that type of wingback that likes to move forward, and um that's gonna um, leave room behind and 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 hope and thankfully you know over the week and he was uh, he he his teammates were there for him when he when he committed a mistake and I think overall he had a a very good showing and and I think it can only get better from now on.
0: So before I. Say- Ask Steve, wingbacks are supposed to get forward, and that does mean that they're going to leave space in behind. So I don't necessarily agree that he was out of position that often. I think it's just a byproduct of the system and and the tactics that are are deployed. Doesn't mean he had a perfect game, which I'll, I'll touch on in a second. But Steve, what did you think about Noah Allen's first start and first appearance for Inter Miami? I thought he was great. I think you know Phil Neville made the point today
1: that uh, he was talking about you know young kids. Or you know, young younger players, they just play play with they play with no fear, and I, I think he did it. I think he got tired towards the end. It was actually notable when he came off. They Breck Shea actually came on and played really well, I thought, and just, just picked up where he you know Noah had, had, had left off. Uh, he was misplacing some passes towards the end. Maybe the, yeah. you know everything's got a bit too much for him. But I thought he was lively, he was energetic, and yeah, they just there's that exuberance of youth and. You know, Phil never always keeps going on about Beckham and and, and Jorge and Jose Mass. They want young kids to come through. I thought he did. Um, I thought he did great. But can you just maybe tell the the listeners what the situation is in terms of you know his status moving forward? Because there was some consternation today, wasn't there, at the training ground? Exactly what what the situation is?
0: Well, there's a new rule in place, and it's again, it's all very as MLS is complicated. If you're on the second team, right? So Inter Miami Two, as it's now called, formerly known as Fort Lauderdale CF, you are able to be called up for a maximum of four games. <clears throat> excuse me, four games per year. Only two in MLS play. So the other two could be like an Open Cup or or, or something of, of those of those uh, along those lines. But only four over the course of the year if you're not on an MLS contract. After that. You're capped. You cannot play anymore. You have to be signed to an MLS contract. Based on what we saw on Saturday, and based on what we saw in preseason, and just how Inter-Miami sees things in general, my sensation, this is just my sensation, not information, I would not be surprised if they signed Noah Allen to a deal very soon. Because he he looked the part. For me, he looked the part on Saturday night. Wasn't a perfect game, especially late on. As you touched on, he, he mishit some passes, and that led to, to Phil Neville going to the bench and bringing on Breck Shea. But I thought he looked the part. For a 17-year-old teenager who's still filling out physically, I thought he looked the part. I thought he did things that were asked of him tactically. It was not perfect, uh, especially, you know, on the defensive side. He had a couple of moments where physically, you know, he's, he's, he was out-muscled or, or beaten to the ball by, obviously, Bigger, stronger men, and and obviously there's work and and room for growth there, but that will come with time. But I like in general, overall, what I saw from him. You know, he he has the ability to to feel the game and read the game. Again, not a not an incredible game, not a wow. You know, he was the man in the match type of game, but it was a very solid and sound game overall. Given where he is in his very very young career, so uh, yeah. I, I think he's got a good soccer IQ. I think he's I think he he has got good good overall skills. It's just now about obviously him growing and and developing. Jose and Steve, I ask you both, but we'll start with Jose. If you had to give him a rating, one through ten, a player rating, football style For player four. rating, one through ten, what would you give him? For Noah? Yes.
2: Ah oh, man, it's tough. Listen, it's it's. Uh... I don't know. To me, Noah is, as of right now, with one game, it's more like a Christian McCoon situation last year, that playing with a back line, you know. Um, it, it, he was looking good. But um, I don't know. I, I think I'll give him uh seven? Yeah, seven.
0: Seven? Okay. Okay. Yeah. For Before I go to Steve, for those who are not familiar with football or soccer player ratings, they're done normally on a scale of 1 through 10, 10 being incredible game, very rare to see someone get a 10, and 1 is like, wow, he had a very, very terrible, terrible, terrible performance. Don't know how he played that poorly. So 1 through 10, normally 6 is like solid, solid game, serviceable game, not not incredible. So I would say 6.5. I would give him a 6.5 overall based on on both sides of the ball. Steve, what would you give No. Allen on a player rating scale?
1: Well, when I used to do player ratings, I don't really do them anymore. But when I was working in the UK, I would just do it at the start of the game and give everyone six, and then I would change it as I went along. So six is like the base. Um, so it's also impossible to watch every every player, but this is a different different conversation. Um, I would say that I would give him a seven, a solid solid seven. Not yeah, just and very promising as well. I just thought yeah he. Uh, he looked the part, but he's 17 years old, his first pro game, I thought he did, um, yeah, first MLS game, I thought he did, uh, he, he did well, uh, but also, you know, Phil Neville was a fullback in, in his time, and his brother was as well, so he's got a good manager there to, to learn off, so it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he develops as the season goes on.
0: So let's switch gears then and talk about another player. And that is Gonzalo Higuain, who, as we expected going into this one, would have a different type of role. And obviously, he's part of a two-man front line, but he obviously had the tactical freedom to drop and pick up the ball and try to play make more than finish. I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to pull up the numbers right now, which I, for some reason, don't have on my phone. But I don't believe he finished with a single shot in this game, which might be the first time that's ever happened in his inter-Miami career. He did, however have a team high, a game high, and a league high seven key passes in this game. He did an awful lot of string pulling, and I thought he was pretty effective in his role, in his function. Steve, I'll go back to you. What do you think of Iguain, the playmaker, now that we've seen it in an official MLS game?
1: Well I thought that he looked better and I know you're going to roll your eyes here but I thought he looked better when he played effectively in like a front two with with companion I just thought it helped that he had someone alongside him So he wasn't marooned the whole time he he had he had an a, an outlet to to look at I thought he looked good I thought he looked lean maybe it was the pink kit but I thought he looked leaner <laughs> it what it wasn't his night it, you know they just they didn't it was the same old story wasn't it they just didn't really cre- create enough chances they had a few good openings he was at the center of it but um, I, I liked him in, in in that role. I liked him having someone a, alongside him. Their their partnership will take a while to to gel, I guess. But I thought, yeah, yeah, he looked good. And you know, they've they've been at pains to point it out. He's the focal point. He's the grand the grandfather. He's the the senior pro of the of the team. The one that you know a lot of people look up to. And I, I thought, yeah, I thought he, he 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 did well.
0: Jose, what did you think of Gonzalo Higuain? I know uh, the playmaker because I know you especially. You know you've been vocal about how you don't necessarily agree that that's his best position, and you're not sure that that's where he should be playing. So, what did you think of Iguain the ten, not Iguain the nine?
2: Well, listen, I I think I liked a lot the second half. The second half, to me, was it was a good half for him. Uh, I do not like uh, the the twenty twenty one or 2022 version of PPP P- P- Wayne that he now he believes he's a number 10. I still believe he's a 9, pure 9, traditional 9. But in the second half, I think he shows some things that made me, made me think about it like, you know, this might work every now and then. And honestly, it should have worked on uh, over the weekend. Two good chances that I can remember. Good ball to Yetlin on the right side, a good ball through the middle to Campana. He should have scored that one. And maybe that changes the game. And, you know, Pepita doesn't get a shot and goal, but he gets the assist. And that's the new Gonzalo Higuain for Inter Miami this year. So there's promise there. I think he had a good performance. I-, I take the second half, first half, there was not a lot of intensity, a lot of nerves from the team. So, you know, those are key factors that you're going to have to eliminate for him to have a good performance. And again, This is not going to be only about Gonzalo Higuain. It's going to be about the the opportunities that he creates for his teammates and are they going to be available to capitalize on them. That's the key for him right now if he wants to stay playing as a number 10 for for this team.
0: I liked what I saw. I continue to like what I see from Higuain as a 10. I know, again, there's plenty of people like you, Jose, and I I am among them that think he's better as a 9 than a 10. But in this system with the coverage that he has behind him in terms of how many how much how many numbers are behind the ball I think it can work and I think we saw that in this game. Look, he again 7, 7 key passes which is a league high stat from week 1. He I just checked he had no shots in this game, so obviously more playmaking than finishing, but in the 10th minute he put a ball on Leonardo Campana's head that should have been put away because, because Campana was open. He didn't really have anyone that tight on him, but Campana puts the header off the crossbar. That chance goes to waste. Uh, he he fed him again in the second half. Iguain fed Campana. Campana rushed the shot and pulled it very, very poorly wide of the frame. He had much more time to control and shoot, and he didn't do that. So those were just two of the of the key passes he hit. He also hit that one great... Great through ball in behind to DeAndre Yedlin that that almost led to a goal for Inter-Miami. So I liked what I saw from Gonzalo Higuain as the ten. I agree with you, Jose, that I think he's a better nine than a ten, generally speaking. But on this team, I think the ten will will work so long as, like you said, other t- other players finish. But at the end of the day, that's not that's not necessarily up to him. He can put the ball there, and if they don't finish, then you know there's nothing he can do about that. He can't create and finish. Uh, on the same exact play. So, you know, we'll, we'll yep. see how it goes going forward. We will touch on Campana and obviously second half substitute Ariel Lasseter in just a little bit. You have something you want to add with Iguain and his playmaking?
2: I do, I do. I want to add something there because I think that's that's part of the conversation with, with Iguain, right? How long are we going to wait for his teammates to be effective in front of goal? Right. Right, because he's creating chances right now, and we're okay with it because it's the first game. But, you know, we also have to think that it's, it's the excitement of playing at home. You know, it could be different on Sunday um, playing on the road and, and you get one or two chances and you're not able to score on them. And, you know, things can change when you're, when you're playing on the road. Look at what Inter Miami was able to do in the second half. You know, they put pressure on the Chicago Fire. They, were, they looked like a very good team in the first, in the first half. The Chicago Fire had, had a lot of possession, and, and they seemed to be in control of the game. So, you know, when you're at home, you can expect that that element of that energy that comes from the fans. But when you're on the road and you're struggling and you're not scoring goals, you know, the home team is going to come for you at some point. And uh, that's my thought with this. You know, that's why I do believe he's 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 he's. He's a nine, and
0: he should play as a nine
2: for this team, even though he was able to create opportunities for
0: for. Yeah, who's who's going to get him the ball? Who's going to get him the ball? No, no one on this team can. Uh, maybe Mota can feed a ball, but from deeper positions. But who's going to get him the ball in attacking spots on this team if he's playing as more of a of a of a nine than a ten? I, I, again, I think in this team with how it's made up now, I think the ten suits him. And again, if there was a little bit more. A little bit more composure in the final third, and a little bit more quality, Inter Miami would have scored in this game and would have given the fans a goal to celebrate and cheer over, which they didn't get. But La Familia still represented nonetheless with a, a very good turnout. But regardless, on the field, on the field, Iguain did his job. For me, he did his job. I I, I couldn't ask much more from Gonzalo Iguain and the and the role he 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 fulfilled because. He's there to play, make, and facilitate and, and create for others, and he did that. The ball just didn't go in the back of the net. Now, that's obviously... We will touch on Campana and his inability to, to put some chances away and whether he should still be in the starting lineup. But I liked what I saw from Iguain. I will ask both of you very quickly, and I will do so because I normally did my player ratings last year after every single game. Now, with my new role at the Sun Sentinel, I am still doing three takeaways, three analysis points, but I'm not doing player ratings, so... This is maybe my way of, uh, of getting some of that that uh, player rating fix. How about that? Getting my player rating fix. There we go. I found one. Steve, what would you give Gonzalo Higuain based on what we saw? Player rating. One through ten. Quickly. Uh, seven. Seven. Okay. Uh, Jose. Yeah, I would go
1: with a seven as well. Seven and a half, actually,
0: seven and a half. Now, see, there we go. We start, that's where the player rating fun begins. Because you start like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I should go a little higher, maybe a little lower. I would give him a seven and a half as well. Switching gears, before we get to Campana and Lasseter, I want to touch on Gene Mota. Because I know, Jose, you were very high on Gene Mota on the match day. I wasn't as high on him in the game, but re-watching... The footage, rewatching the game twice more over the weekend. So I've seen it three times total. I was impressed with what I saw when he had the ball. Because when he had the ball and he was able to to aparecer en el partido. When he was able to show some things in the game and get on the ball. The team played well. When Gene Mota played well, the team played well. Then when he disappeared for large stretches, the team did not play as well. So I think he's going to be vital for this team throughout what's to come the rest of this month throughout what's to come for much of the year because he is that link between the defense and the attack. He's essentially the, the player that will help get the ball to Higuain and take some of that creating load off of Higuain. It's just one game, but that's just what I saw from him. He's He's got that in his arsenal as well as the ability to recover and ball win. He's able to, to get stuck in, recover the ball, and start... Attacking sequences from that uh, from there. So what did you think Jose? I know you were very, very high on
2: him. Yeah, I, th- I think he played a very good game. He played a very good game. You know, I like the way he recovered the ball and immediately he thought, you know, about the build-up. He immediately looked for a teammate that he was good, that was well positioned. You know, he, he immediately knew that, you know, you you needed to move the ball quicker. And that understanding uh, of the system, and, and I think the relationship, and and Phil talked about this this morning, you know, the relationship with Gregory in the middle. I think that helps a lot, just because they play side to side, they know each other really well, they have the confidence that they can move forward a little bit, and 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 Gregory is going to be right behind him, or the other way around. I just think, you know, uh, that period that you know it's it's usually. When you come into a new league, you need you need you need games to really understand what um, what your role is and how how the game is played here in the States. And I think he's adjusting really well. I really like his game. I really like his game. And I do believe, you know, he's going to get better. I don't think we have seen um all from 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 John Mota I think you can give him even a little bit of more of a responsibility moving moving forward and trying to organize the team a little bit better and maybe have Iwain you know step a little bit higher on the field and, and, and create more chances as close as he can to the box so I really really like him
0: Steve before I get to you this is a stat Jean Mota had 45 touches in the game and that's more or less middle of the pack in terms of Inter-Miami in this one from a, from the starting 11 uh, posture. So again, for me, he was good when he got on the ball. Also did some good defensive work to recover it. But when he got on the ball, he was good. He just didn't get on the ball enough. And I that was what I asked Phil Neville in today, Wednesday's press conference is how do they get Gene Mota more involved? Because again, when he played well on Saturday, Inter-Miami played well. And then when he didn't, the team struggled, and that's when Chicago was able to to really boss possession and really nullify and negate Inter Miami's attack. So, Steve, what did you think of Jean Mota on in his Inter Miami debut? Yeah,
1: I mean, he was he was just solid and effective, really. No no frills. Um, I, I think he's just that player in the engine room, just keeps things ticking over. But um, you know, I think Phil Neville's picked him out a couple of times. He said he's going to be a a top top player in, in this league. Um, yeah, I I thought he was a bit more of a playmaker. I don't think he's like that really easy. He's just a solid guy in the midfield. And, and like Jose said, it takes a while for guys to, to become accustomed to to MLS. It's, it's different than what he was different different type of soccer than, than what he's probably used to playing in in Brazil for Santos. So um yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think he pulled up any trees. I don't think he was amazing. I just thought he was a good solid presence and I'd probably you know, you know an upgrade on. You know, Will Trap or Matuidi or any of the other probably people. <laughs> well, probably. I mean, yeah, no, he's definitely an upgrade than any of the the nightmare figures that have haunted us for the past two years. Um, yeah, so I think he he looked good with more to come. I'm interested to see how he he'll develop into this into this team.
0: Do you guys want to give a player rating? I wasn't going to ask one, but I'll, you know, I know I, Jose will probably go very very high here.
2: 8.5. 8.5.
0: 8.5, Wow. Okay, Thanks. Steve. Uh, Six point five. What? No way. I mean, it's good. It's good. Not amazing. Not awful. I have a seven. seven. This, is, this No. See, don't don't let hosts What sway you from your from your opinion? Seven point two. <laughs> this is why I love player ratings, though. Honestly, this is why I like doing them as well because it leads to discourse and conversation and debate. Because how one person views the game is not necessarily how another person views the game, and. Obviously, there's there's conversations to be had there. So listen, Steve, if you think six and a half, stick with your six and a half. Do not let Jose sway you there in any way, shape, or form. I would say seven. I would say seven. Again, did some stuff on the defensive side to help recover the ball. Also move the ball forward well at times. But again, 45 touches is middle of the pack. He needs to be more involved. I don't put that necessarily just on him. That, that also is from a team and just feeling comfortable and playing to him and through him. Which, which will I imagine will get better and will happen more often as time goes on and they get more games and more reps under their belt. Quickly, let's touch on a few more players here. Leonardo Campana and Ariel Lassiter, because I think that is one of the biggest questions going into this Sunday's game against Austin FC, which we will preview in just a little bit with another special guest. But to me, it's who starts. Do you start Ariel Lassiter, who looked good coming off the bench in this one? For the 30 minutes or so he was on the field, or do you, once again, go with Leonardo Campana, who got the start against the Chicago Fire and who put himself in scoring positions, or found himself in scoring positions, got himself into scoring positions, but was not able to put the ball into the back of the net. So, quick analysis of what you saw from each of them and who you would start on Sunday. Jose. Um, well, I think it, this is an easy
2: one, right? I, <laughs> For you, yes.
0: For you, yes, we
2: know. Yeah, I think unless there should be a starter in this team. I I think, you know, nothing against Campana, but I think, you know, it, it's asking a lot from him to um take in the responsibility of finishing every single opportunity that you're going to get inside the box. And that's basically what everybody's thinking because, you know, it, it's easy to compare. Right, and think. Okay, if he Wayne had the chance, he probably finishes that one. So Campana should have been able to finish.
0: Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I don't know if that's true. If they're expecting to finish every single chance, he had multiple chances in this game and didn't put in any. He was wasteful with his finishing. I think that's there's more criticism about him not putting any away as opposed to putting every single one away. He had four shots. One on target. That one on target was in the first half, and he, and it was a, a weak shot trying to go far post that that didn't really trouble the goalkeeper. The other three were 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 misses. Two were very notable. So I think it's more about about that than okay, he didn't he those didn't those chances.
2: In those two chances that you're talking about, he should have finished.
0: Absolutely, he have, absolutely. He should
2: have scored on those. And so you know, it's it's again new player coming in, getting to know everybody, getting to know the league. I think Lassiter is is ready right now. He showed it in the second half and especially playing on the road, you know, the counterattack game, it, it's it's going to be a factor. Um obviously Inter Miami, you know, with playing with five in the back, it's, it's it's a defensive side and you know they're going to show it on the road. They they're going to take pride on it and and they're going to look for uh an opportunity on the counterattack and, and and if that's the case, you know, it's clear between Campana and Lassiter. Who who who's the better player for that for that tactic? So, yeah, I think I think their shit start on on Sunday. But from what we heard from from field this morning, you know, he really 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 likes Campana, and yeah, he said he has know, a feeling about him, right? He said he has a feeling
0: about him. Yeah. Sometimes when coaches get a good you know, feeling. When coaches
2: have feelings about players, that means you know they're gonna. They're right. gonna give give them a lot of chances. Right. So you know, my thought is I I, should, I, w- I would start Ariel, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Campana starts again.
0: I would, before I get to Steve, I am going to say that I think Ariel Lassiter starts just based on the little bits that he gave us during his interview today, Ariel Lassiter, and then based best off of what in
1: preseason wasn't he, he said best player in preseason.
0: Well, and well, I'm I'm going off of what Ariel Lassiter said today because when we asked him about the game and what he expects, he's you know. I'm summarizing here, paraphrasing, but he definitely said, you know, they have to be smart, and there's going to be spaces in behind. So that leads me to believe that he's going to get the start. That just leads me to believe. Again, I, it's not information; it's just my my supposition from from trying to read between the lines. I think he's starting on Sunday, and then Phil Neville today when he was asked about about two or excuse me about Lassiter and having him come off the bench, and he, you know, Phil Neville touched on like Kosa just mentioned, you know one player starting in some type of games, the other one starting in different types of games. I absolutely could see Ariel Lasseter starting on the road against Austin FC, who will have the... The onus will be on them to to dictate the tempo, so Inter-Miami may be even more defensive-minded than they were at times on Saturday against the Chicago Fire, at least from a from a game plan standpoint. Obviously, you can have a game plan, and then just just depends on how the ball rolls and how the other team dictates or how the other team does... Uh, in terms of implementing their strategy, but Steve, what did you think about Leonardo Campana's starting performance and Lassiter's off the bench cameo?
1: I think he did okay. I, it, it didn't. I mean, look, first time I've seen him play, he he looks good. I don't think he's the he's the fastest. I don't think pace is probably his right. main attribute. He had that one sort of good chance, a lovely ball from and He didn't. He just didn't finish. But I just think, yeah, listen, he's he's an upgrade on. Carranza, Pizarro, any of the, any of those guys, it just, again, it's going to take time to, to settle down. Um, didn't see. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think he's, he has, he hasn't got pace, but he looks like he's, he's on the ball. He's, he looks like he's a bit of a handful. He's quite physical. Um, so I liked him and I, yeah, I like Lasseter. I think, you know, he, now they've got a few options to, to come off the bench. we mentioned Breck Shea. I thought Lester did well. He's lively he's quick. He injected some some real pace and energy into the team, and I think you know that was the whole problem last year, wasn't it? They just didn't have they had, a, had like an eleven and nothing really to come off the bench. So I think you know that gives him that gives that gives Full Neville options, uh, vital vital options.
0: Purim, I'm going to stick with you when I ask when I ask this question, and then I'll go to Jose. Did Phil Neville make a mistake by starting Leonardo Campana? And I don't ask that just because he didn't score. Because obviously, you know, after the fact, you you, know, you can criticize it. But I ask it from the point where Phil Neville, after the game, mentioned how Campana is not 100% sharp and 100% fit because of where what happened to him in preseason. He obviously got injured. Missed a lot of time, only came back towards the end of preseason. So was starting him the right decision? Especially when you saw how sharp Ariel Lasseter was during his thirty minute cameo and how good he had been during preseason, like you said, he might have been one of the or he was one of the best players for Inter Miami during those those six weeks of preseason, at least as far as the games go. So was starting Campana a mistake?
1: No, I don't think no, not a mistake. I mean, you know, he he, he probably sees him and Iguain as his as his front Two or you know his most potent sort of attack. So you've got to you've got to start somewhere. You got to you got to try and mold this this sort of partnership. Um, but he's now probably second. You know he's probably thinking now maybe that's a uh, you know he's got a chance maybe that Lester could could start on on Saturday because of what Sunday sorry because of what he you know what he did. So um, no, I mean you know he could have gone either either way. It, it, wasn't maybe Companions Night and Lester showed that he came on and and, and could 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 do a job. So, But I, I think the partnership between him, him and Iguin could, if they can get that working, I think that could be crucial.
0: I absolutely do think it was a mistake. Because if one player is sharp coming off a of preseason and the other one has not had a preseason, even though you have a really good feeling about that player, Sometimes I, get a I feeling feeling you should go with the player that's having a good see- a preseason and that's shown more in preseason and that's scored goals in preseason. If the other one's not 100% sharp because he hasn't gotten the reps down, the practice sessions down, then I I, th- I would think you'd have to work him in a little slowly and go with the other player. I don't think it's any coincidence that when Ariel Lasseter came in, he, he showed a big bright spot off the bench he was active he was involved he took two shots that one went wide the other one was pushed wide by the goalkeeper he was pretty involved during his cameo there and looked very very sharp and engaged now obviously the game I, i do you do have to note the game is different at that point it's a little more open so there's more space to attack but again i don't think it's a coincidence that the player that looked sharp in preseason looked sharper in this game and the player that was injured for us much, much of preseason did not look as good and you touched on something about how you know he's physical and he's a big body and, and you saw glimpses of that but there were a lot of times in this game before I go to you Jose, where Inter Miami played long their goal kicks they went long and I've seen the game three times he lost a lot of aerial challenges a lot of 50-50s you know trying to fight for for the, the aerial balls a lot of times for someone of his size and 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 his strength he lost he lost those battles a little bit too often for my liking. Didn't win any of them, didn't flick them on to anybody, or, or I won't say any of them, but a lot of them he lost, and a lot of them he wasn't able to to even get ahead to. The The Chicago Fire players were the ones getting on the end of those. So I think he he's going to take time, and, and Phil Neville acknowledged that after the game, So, I, but I do think that, that if, if Phil Neville could go back and do it again, I think he starts Ariel, Ariel Lasseter.
2: Jose? I don't know. I, I doubt it because, you know, that's the perfect example of a coach having a feeling about a player, right? Because, I mean... Was but is that clear. a mistake? Is
0: that a mistake?
2: Yes, that is a mistake. Okay. But, you know, if as a coach, you have to make those type of decisions, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You hay have, gustos,
0: hay gustos, no hay gustos, like we say in Spanish.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at what Lester did during preseason, and it's a no-brainer. He starts. He starts. But the coach, he had a feeling, and, and he still has a feeling about Campana, and he decided to give him a chance. And so, you know, uh, I'm sure Leseter didn't like the, the idea, but, you know, it is what it is. It, it, Phil makes, makes the decision, and, and 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 now it's for Campana to take advantage of that opportunity. If he doesn't, then Ari Leseter will continue to work. Hopefully, you know, he stays level-headed and, and continues to play, continues to Play at a high level, and and he'll get the opportunity. But that's that's just the definition of, of what's going on right now. Um, I I agree with you. I think that that was a mistake.
0: Yeah, if you're be- if you're betting on a feeling or you're banking on a feeling, you're banking on Campana over Lasseter, who again, one of the best players, if not the best player in preseason. And that doesn't work out, then obviously you know you 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 made the wrong decision. So. I mean, that's just how I see it. That's how I see it, Steve. I don't know if you have anything you want to add there.
1: No, no I mean, yeah. It's, I think it's just gonna. It's gonna take. It's gonna take time for him. Um, but from what you saw, the little glimpses, I think there's definitely. You know, there's de- there's definitely definitely a player there for sure.
0: Right, but we're not saying there's no player there. We're we're just saying if you have two players and one's fresh off of a preseason in which he impressed, and the other one is not. Right. Right. And and then uh. the. And, and, I mean, I know, oh, I know, no. I know which way you're gonna go. I know which way you're going to go here, but you know, uh, okay. That,
2: been, and he's you not know, enough over Pizarro, by the way. <laughs> I mean, from what we saw the first game, they're basically the same player. He no, might be come
0: bad. on, they're different. They're completely different. They're completely it, different.
2: It, it's basically and 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 they're different positions, but I mean, come on. It,
1: yeah, I, I, he's more a big... of a physical player, isn't he? You know, I think maybe if they want, if he's thought that. You know, those that front two can physically sort of overpower the Chicago, you know, back line them. Right, that but, but the... it didn't
0: work. But it didn't work.
1: No, it didn't work. No, it didn't work, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Lassiter so, but... comes
0: off the bench and, and impresses. So I mean to me that to me that shows that there and again, take into account that the game's different at that point. It's a little more open. That plays to Lassiter's strengths. But I think you had to go with Lassiter. To start, because he just can't, he was sharper. Now, if you ha- if you have preferences, there's coaches' preferences. That's that's going back to the to the saying I just did in Spanish. I gustos for coaches. They have their preferences, just personal preference. If that's what he wants to go with, that's fine. You know, the coach is allowed to do that, but then it has to pay off. If it doesn't pay off, you're going to leave yourself open and the team open for for and the player open for criticism. But anyway, let's touch on. I do think Lasseter starts. I don't know if I, yeah I did say that, but I do think Lasseter starts on on sunday let's touch on two more players or two more inter miami protagonists might not even be the word but let's just start with with the first one which is clement diop who was voted man in the match he had three big saves in his inter miami debut very very crucial to inter miami keeping the clean sheet and getting a point out of this one Although, I, I agree with both of your your analysis by and large in terms of the collective. I think, you know, the Fire were the better team in the first half, probably deserved the goal. And Inter-Miami were the better team in the second half and probably deserved the goal. So, a half for each, uh, a draw and a split of the points is probably a fair result. Now, besides Diop's performance, there was an interesting moment at the end of the game. And that's when Clement Diop, the ball came to him. Uh, a a misfired or a mishit Chicago Fire pass, no pun intended. And instead of booting it upfield and trying to get one last chance at a goal to take all three points, he kind of held it at his feet for a while, let a Chicago Fire forward come to him before picking it up and then distributing it out, and then the full-time whistle blew. There's probably time for maybe one more attack, maybe. Now, after the game, Jose asked him, you know, there was an exchange between Gonzalo Higuain, who was very, very upset about Diop not, not picking the ball up immediately and distributing it, and Diop more or less said that he was thinking about keeping just a clean sheet and not losing the game at that point. It's deep in the stoppage time, he didn't want to potentially give up a goal by booting the ball upfield and having a counterattack come the other way and then Inter-Miami uh, suffering a, a late, late loss. I will start with Jose only because we talked about it in person on Saturday night. Jose, what did you think about that? Share with the listeners what you thought about that decision from Clement Diop. Are you do you agree with him in terms of the you know running down some time, or do you agree with Iguain that he should have kicked the ball upfield and given Inter Miami a chance to to maybe make a play that could lead to potentially a game winning goal for the team?
2: No, I definitely agree with, with Iguain right? Because you're at home, you want to win the game. I respect the decision f- from him as a goalkeeper, but I think the point here is that, you know, both of them were not in sync as to what they wanted to do at that time, right? And it's, it's you know, it's it's weird to see a goalkeeper hold on to the ball uh, with with a scoreless draw. When you're playing at home, the home opener, you really want to win this game. You see your teammates battling in the second half, trying to get that one goal. And in the last 30 minutes when everybody's, you know, just hoping for, for a miracle, you just decide to hold on to the ball. I can see this being frustrating for fans and for Higuain, you know. He was he was very calm at times, you know, not very, not very demonstrative like we saw him last year. But there were two times within the game where he just <laughs> yeah.
0: was... He lost uh, it a little and- bit.
2: And that's that's one of those two.
0: Right.
2: So um, I'm, I'm on ego inside here. I think, you know, the Ups should have kicked the ball. You know, there was just, what, 30 seconds left or so in the game. Yeah. So if you kick the ball like you usually do and not make a rare mistake, you know, it's going to be really hard for, for Chicago to score on you. And by the way, the Chicago Fire was basically done with the game. They couldn't, you know, they were physically done, exhausted. They couldn't run. Anymore, so I I don't know. Uh, I was I was a little frustrated as well, and, and and from what I saw on social media, I think fans uh, are gonna side with Iguain as well.
0: Steve, who do you side with on this one? Is it Iguain in terms of give us one more shot to score a goal, or are you on Diop's side in terms of let's not lose this this late?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, as a goalkeeper, he's kept his first game. He wanted to keep a clean sheet. Um, you know, there was such little time left. Yeah, you know, Iguain was was annoyed, but I mean, I don't know. You just, yeah, I, I don't think it was the biggest biggest crime. You know, Iguain is a very uh could be quite volatile at times. So I, I don't think Diop did too much wrong. It was annoying at the time. You wanted, obviously want to see one last attack, but you can understand why he, he wanted a shut up shot.
0: So you're a team Diop on in this in this I uh, think circumstance? So, yeah,
1: goalkeeper goalkeeper's union. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how different. I see the game than Steve because I am 100% on Gonzalo Higuain's side. I can see the argument from Diop. I'll explain myself in just a bit. But you're at home. The onus is on you to win and to get three points. You got to give yourselves a shot to do so. That 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 gesture that he did of keeping the ball at his feet and waiting till a fire player came up to him to pick up the ball is just is essentially buying time. Your time wasting more or less, right, in, in, in football terms. And you do that when you're away from home, when you're just trying to get a result away from home. When you're at home, I don't agree with that. And Iguain didn't agree with that clearly. And although Phil Neville today... Played it, uh, very diplomatic in his response that he was, you know, part of him was Higuain with Higuain, part of him was with Diop. In the moment, I don't think he was with, with Diop in the moment because I was looking, I missed Gonzalo initial reaction. I only saw it on, on the broadcast afterwards because I was looking at Phil Neville when that was happening with Diop, when the play was happening live in the stadium. And, and Phil Neville had his hand on his hip, his left hand on his hip, and he looked to the right, to the bench. And and signaled like in a in a way of kind of saying like what is he doing like what 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 is Diop doing why is he not picking up the ball and clear? why is he wasting time so that was at least my read on on what he did there during during the game you have to kick that ball I I, I get the thought of we don't want to lose this late and again to Diop's credit one thing that Phil Neville said last year is that if they could have turned some of the losses into draws, that then they probably could have gotten into the playoffs in 2021. So obviously, don't want to lose the game. I get that. But you're at home. The onus is on you to get uh, the win. So I, I think you got to kick that and give yourselves a chance to do so. If you're away from home, that's fine. Do what you did. But at home, I, I mean, again, th- I would just say this. It's a rhetorical question. Who is a 0-0 draw a better result for at Drive Pink Stadium? The Chicago Fire or Inter-Miami? chicago fire so i think you had to give yourselves a chance to at least try to make one more play try to make one more play i, I agree with jose as well that it's very unlikely that they come back and counter you and, and you break down it's not impossible it could happen but it's also possible that you break them down and score a goal so i'm on i'm on team iguain there i fully understand the frustration the frustration there from him last person that we will touch on here blaze Matweedy who is an ambassador for the team now. He has been officially waived, although the team didn't put out any press release. It was just said in a press conference last week. Blaze Matuidi has been seen at team events, team organized events, the pub crawl last Friday in downtown Fort Lauderdale, and then the pregame tailgate that La Familia had, the supporters groups. He was there taking pictures, talking to fans. I ran into him. I will share some of the conversation I had with him. I, I asked him what he's doing seemed like he was trained in terms of his response he said he's an ambassador for the team and i asked him if he was retired and he said no no we'll see what happens there we don't know what the details are i haven't been able to get any information yet as to what they've done to get him off the books but inter miami is this is information has gotten matuidi off the roster he there is an open dp spot now available for inter miami to use at some point this year if they choose to what, is, what I don't have information on is how they bought him out or if they bought him out or how they came to terms and why he's an investor. It's a very, very weird situation, very odd that a player that's no longer with the team is around the team. I'm, I obviously fully have to come to uh, the belief that they negotiated this, that this was negotiated by his legal team in Inter-Miami. He's getting paid in some way, shape, or form, which I guess is not against the MLS rules, but I don't know. There's definitely some a lot of gray area there because he's around the team and and still. I mean, I'm, I imagine he's not doing this for free, right? So, uh, you know, quickly, what did you guys think of about him just being around and the overall situation? Do you think it's weird, Steve?
1: I think it's weird that the club haven't yeah said anything. And, and like we said, it's kind of to touched on the fact that uh, legally it's probably you know a difficult situation. They're probably still working things out, but. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. We'll have to do some digging and see if we can come back with any answers next week.
0: Jose, your thoughts on the even, Matuidi situation?
2: I would even call it a little bit disrespectful. You know, he's a I world I feel change. kind
0: of bad for him, man. I feel kind of bad. I'm not going to lie. When I, when I Like, he was smiling and he's in, he was in good spirits and, and his usual, at least from, you know, from the way we've interacted with him in press conferences and obviously it's just a small sample, but he's just, he was his normal smile, smiling, affable self but i did feel
2: a little bad for him like yeah i think i think it's a little yeah. bit disrespectful you know he's uh i mean i, I think he came to the team with, with good intentions you know he had it just didn't work out and um and i don't know i don't know i think he had a uh well he's still obviously an active player but you know he, so far it, it's been a good career for him and um i, I doubted that you know this is the scenario that both sides, Inter Miami and, and Blaze to camp, were thinking of uh, a few weeks from now, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a shame. I don't think it's it's good for him. And, and I doubt it that he's happy with, with this role. You know, it's just a matter of this is something that he needs to do because he's getting paid by Inter Miami. So, ah. Uh disrespectful. Hey, maybe,
0: cool. yeah. maybe I shouldn't feel so bad if he's getting paid as, as Steve and I have jokingly said for a long time he's still chilling on his South Florida boat somewhere and, and having a oh, good time yeah. with his family so I mean clearly he must be getting paid clearly. Now again not information yeah, just our sensation, our supposition here but from the outside but he's got to be getting paid right to be doing this this, this just has, a to, be, this has to be here. right.
2: A, ran, a random thought you know ambassadors are usually available to the media right? <laughs>
0: Hey, technically he was because he did talk to me when I went up to him. You know, he was he, he like he was all bright eyed and he like, shook my hand and, and he was super against super...
2: the media, the media, the I, whole I team. Mean, I, well, to Franco.
0: Hey, well, hey, if if media wants to show up at the, at the at the pregame tailgate, there was nobody stopping you guys from doing that. You know, you guys could have also partaken had you guys decided to do that, but you didn't. know
1: maybe, I... maybe it was the white suit. Maybe it was the
0: white suit. It's <laughs> funny that you say that, and we I will bring that up later because that's part of the Q and A session, and I will mention the ribbing that Phil Neville gave me over my suit, which again was good banter. So look, let's leave it there for now. We are going to take a quick break. We will come back and preview the game against Austin FC. On Sunday, that's away, so a nice little trip to Austin where the stadium is rocking and the atmosphere is incredible. I know some members of La Familia are planning to head out there. We'll preview that game after this.
1: Well, I think I have a brilliant problem with Lassiter and Companion because I think Lassiter's been one of our best players in, in preseason. He, he, was so, he was so disappointed, but he was so lucky not to start the game against Chicago. Uh Companion, I've just got a special feeling about. I think he's going to be a top player. I think he's going to be a real top player. So we've got players there that, and I think, I think, I think the way is that there's going to be some games that will suit Companion. There's going to be some games that will suit Ariel, and and maybe times uh, all three might have to play with Gonzalo as well. So and we're working on that.
0: Okay, guys, we said we would have another guest to join us to preview this weekend's game against Austin, Austin FC, and it's none other than senior writer and Austin FC beat writer for the Striker Texas his name is Chris Bills Chris how are you thank you for joining us man
3: I'm good Franco thanks for having me uh looking forward to to seeing another good match on on Sunday and national TV too so uh it's a big spot for both of these teams
0: yeah absolutely and let's just jump right into it because we don't want to take up too much time but Austin FC obviously comes off a very big win to start the season you've been around the beginning of the club's inception, which has only been a season and some change, but you've been there from the beginning with, with Austin FC like we have for Inter-Miami. What can you tell us about what Inter-Miami fans and and Inter-Miami itself can just expect on the weekend against Austin FC in in the rocking and rowdy and incredible stadium that you guys have over there?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing, right? I think that's what Austin FC has kind of come into this league and been known for uh, early on is, is just the the crowds and the, the vibe inside Q2 stadium. It's been, it's been terrific to watch the culture, Um, you know, and and Austin has been a soccer city. I've been here six years and and really kind of got on the ground early with the Austin FC story and, and got to know the soccer community. It's, a lot of people that have been waiting for this for a long time, and a lot of people that uh, are transplants that have moved in, and and we're looking for you know something to do a new team, uh, something to rally around, and and all that's kind of come together and resulted in I think you know I, I went I did the whole Western Conference last year, and and Portland obviously is is something special, but I think Austin is is kind of developing their re- reputation as one of the places one of the places to be, and then uh, you know tactically we can get into that a little bit, but uh, Josh Wolf comes from the Greg Berhalter Berhalter School, so. Uh, you know positional play, and and you know they've made some moves this off season that uh, give them some more depth and and you know more ability to to kind of play that possession based style that Joshua points to with uh, you know fewer mistakes or at least uh, you know what we saw on Saturday was was fewer mistakes and more goals. So that's uh, that's definitely. Things are trending in the right direction through through week one. <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint. But through week one, uh, things are looking much better for Austin.
0: Now, I wanted to touch on that specifically because obviously, last year, and it, we we know the expansion struggles that can exist with a team from covering MLS for such a long time, including Inter Miami during its initial year in 2020. Austin FC last year obviously didn't get off to the best start. It had it finished for with the worst. Uh, attacking output in the entire league inter miami was not too far behind it finished tied for second in terms of goals scored in 2021 but obviously like you mentioned austin fc comes flying out of the gates in 2022 with a 5-0 victory over fc cincinnati we also know about fc cincinnati struggles here on miami total football radio so how much do you put it on austin fc just firing on all cylinders? How much do you put it on the opponent being FC Cincinnati?
3: I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? I think there were some stretches last last season when I'm not sure that uh, Austin FC would have put five past a, a JV college team or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's... Uh... That, that's definitely a positive. I mean, they, they didn't have a striker for a big portion of last season, didn't get a goal from a striker in this game, but you know, all three DPs coming through, um, two from Cecilia Dominguez, certainly a welcome sight there, and then Alex String and, and Sebastian Drusy, who um, you know, I think have a chance to be one of the best uh, attacking midfield pairs. Um, and I say attacking in front of Alex String, that's right. He's playing a little more box-to-box, a little more attacking role. This year, so um, that seems to be paying off early, early in the season. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, Cincinnati certainly struggled defensively, um, and they did, but they did create and they did create some chances that that I think a better team, uh, you know, the likes of Gonzalo Higuaín would definitely would have finished off one or two of those chances, and it might have been a different story. Uh, but the confidence will be high for Austin FC. Yeah. Um, Coming to this one.
1: Yeah, we spoke to we spoke to Phil Neville earlier, and he he seems to suggest a bit of kinology maybe, but that you know the pressure will be on Austin on on Sunday, home crowd. You know they've come off the back of a of a big win. I mean you you've seen them enough now. Are they the kind of team that will kind of really go for the jugglers straight 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 off the bat?
3: At home, definitely. I mean those are the games when they've they've had the most success. Of course they scored in the second minute on Saturday, and uh, you know that's happened a few times where if they can get a goal early. They really. Can pile it on, uh, but you know, last year the problem was if they didn't get that early goal or another team scored on them, um, the heads would kind of sink. And so, you know, I'm not sure if it'll be Sunday, but I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Um, you know, if there is a match when when Austin FC doesn't get off to the jump, it, do do they look a little different? Do they look? Do they have more confidence? Do they have more more um, you know self assuredness throughout the group, which is something that they've talked a lot about as the character of, of this team in the depth. Um, so that's yet to be proven.
1: And it's 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 the A list derby. David Beckham on one corner, Matthew McConaughey on the on the other. <laughs> I mean, do, 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 do we we actually did a, a press call with him uh, the the start of last season, which was awesome. I mean, is he is he a uh, is he a, a regular fixture around the stadium? Do, do you see him much? Is there much interaction between the media guys and him?
3: Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that he was. Uh, I think part of it had to do with with covid and uh, i think he lives with his 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 mother so i'm trying not to give too much flack, but he only really showed up uh at one match last year and that was the home opener uh and and it was good to to see him out there on uh saturday uh and and he was you know made himself visible helped with some of the chance uh you know in this, this year's season opener so we'll see if he's out there uh on sunday and and you know minister of culture uh, is 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 a fun title. It's it's great to have him involved with the club, but uh, you know the fans have kind of created this atmosphere, and it's taken on a a life of its own with or with or without him in the stadium. So that's that's been that's been uh, that's been fun, and you know Matthew McConaughey is always a treat, no matter no matter when you get him or how often you get him.
0: Now obviously we've seen it on TV. We have we haven't had the chance to go to the stadium yet. Unfortunately, we will not be able to this weekend. Hopefully, very very soon, but. In your words someone that lives it on a weekly or bi-weekly basis what can you tell us about the the atmosphere that Austin FC has over there
3: yeah it's uh, loud it's it's wild and it's uh, it's wet I don't know if you guys have seen the beer showers you you, you kind of wanna <laughs> want to be wary if you're gonna go uh, go in the in the supporter section because if Austin FC scores a goal and, and even <laughs> if they don't uh, you know the the beer is flying and the water is flying and it's uh it's just a it's a great atmosphere the thing that that is really fun about it i I know you guys have seen some of this in miami is just how much the uh the community and the hispanic community has embraced this this team it's something that uh you know i i followed uh you know teams in columbus and and um you know, I know Chicago and, and some other teams that around the league have had that in, in the past, but just to see, you know, the mixing of English and Spanish, the sound that comes from that supporter section is very much uh, Latin, and and that is something that um, you know I think this league really needs more of. And then you've got um, a very knowledgeable you know soccer fan based on the sides that you know you get the u's and the ahs. and um, you know, for a, for a second year club, I think. The sound that comes through on those broadcasts, is uh, it sounds like anything you'd you'd find in Europe or South America or, you know, some of the best atmospheres around MLS. So um, it's been really fun. And and I try to at least get outside the press box for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, if not the whole first half, because uh, it it just, as a soccer person myself, it just, uh, it brings, you know, it brings you some life every time you get in that stadium.
0: Yeah, it's definitely... An exciting place to be. I know a lot of members of La Familia, Inter-Miami supporters groups, are are headed over to Austin for this game. And I'm sure this will only help generate more excitement for them. Quickly, just for the last question, Chris. And we again, we really, really appreciate the time for jumping on here on Miami Total Football Radio. I think you mentioned it earlier, but which players should Inter-Miami fans keep an eye on, which who are the danger men for Austin FC?
3: Yeah, watch, watch the midfield and, and how Inter-Miami deals with, uh, you know, Alex Ring and Sebastian Drusi. Drusi, I think, you know, he covers so much ground. He's actually been playing, you know, in the press, he's been playing up top with, uh, you know, Maxi Arruti and, and will, you know, kind of get after guys. He covers a, a lot of ground at high speed. Uh, and then, you know, he can drop back and, and help him build up play as well and, and just so smooth on the ball. Uh, Diego Fugundes uh, has has had you know a, a really good um, you know coming up you know kind of a resurgence here with Austin FC and Ceciio Dominguez looks like he's he's bringing it uh, this year he scored twice and was on the team of the week last week let's see if he can continue that because consistency has been the key for him all year but that's really you know that's really kind of kind of the the uh, the rundown of the, the familiar faces and the guys who who uh, certainly caused FC Cincinnati some some danger and uh, will hope to to continue it on week two.
0: It should definitely be a good game this weekend. I do expect Austin to have more of the ball and Inter Miami to look to counter attack quite a bit. They did so for large stretches of the of the home opener, the season opener this past weekend. Inter Miami did so especially away from home, given everything that goes into it, given all the things you touched on. I think Inter Miami will look to To try to hit on the break yeah, and, and maybe really, seize possession.
3: I'm really interested to see how Austin deals with that because so much of the play for for Cincinnati went through the middle, uh, and we were just talking with Josh Wolf about that. And, and uh, I, you know, like you said, Miami was kind of flying flying down the flanks. DeAndre Yedlin yeah. against John Kolmanic, uh, the the young left back who his birthday is tomorrow. I think uh, he'll he'll have to deal with DeAndre Yedlin uh, on the on. Miami's right side Austin's left and and that should be a really interesting matchup to watch um you know to kind of see how Austin's able to deal with that
0: is that is that the key to the game for you the midfield battle
3: I I think the midfield battle and then again how how the fullbacks deal with uh you know how Miami's trying to play wide because you know I think a lot of the focus was was just so much through the the middle in the first first week so um you know I'll be interested to see how they deal with Higuain and You know how um, you know this defense is still kind of coming together and and it's supposed to be improved but uh, you know it hasn't really been tested yet I'm really interested to see how that goes down on Sunday Chris isn't isn't the
1: key to isn't the isn't the key to the battle who eats the most brisket or stubs before the match or not (laughs) yeah brisket and tacos Uh, people will be getting their fill I'm sure
0: okay well Chris listen thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Miami Total Football Radio, where can listeners follow your work if they aren't already?
3: Yeah, uh, you can find me at Chris Bills on Twitter, and then uh, theStrikerTexas.com is where we've got everything. You got 30 days free uh, if you want to check us out and just see what we're we're all about. And uh, you know, we'd love to get some support from outside of just Texas. You know, understanding that uh, you know we're not at the moment we're not covering Miami, but uh, would love to one day uh kind of build the striker empire so (laughs) we'll see how that goes
0: okay Chris well again thank you very much we'll let you get back to your rodeo because we hear a lot of music in the background but no thank you (laughs) thank you again enjoy the game on Sunday and we will talk to you again very very soon okay
1: thanks Reco thank you mate thank you. you
0: Preview the game against Austin FC. If you're heading out to Texas this weekend, have a great time. But it's Q&A session time. Let's jump right into it, starting with Jorge Medina. He says, what is the update on Emerson? Is he recovering from injury? Is he eligible to play against Austin? I will say, Jose, you can answer this one.
2: Yeah, because I asked um, Phil this morning about him. And, you know, he's basically still trying to get used to conditions here. And it was a little bit surprising, and I I don't don't know if you guys caught this, but, you know, Phil even mentioned a period of six months for him to get up to par or get into, you know, the rhythm that he needs to be in, get um, used to the environment in MLS. But at the same time, Phil said that, you know, we might see him in the next two to three games. So he's definitely not a starter for this team. As of right now, he still needs to, um, he's a little bit immature. I think that's the word I feel used this morning in terms of, you know, his development in MLS. And so, um, you know, I think he's going to earn a spot because I think he has the talent. It remains to be seen what the plans are from, from the coaching staff, where do they want to use him on the field especially with a 5-3-2 formation. But you can expect to see him soon on the field, but maybe not as a starter.
0: And just to be a little more punctual in terms of the, is he recovering from an injury? He was recovering from an injury, but he's healthy now. He was on the bench on Saturday against the Fire. They just didn't use him, but he was on the bench and he was warming up. He was an option for Phil Noble there. So he, he is healthy, just uh, that he hasn't he wasn't used in game one. Since Jose answered that one, I will give this next one to Steve, and it comes from Fighting Herons. Looks like Campana, Lasseter, Robbie Robinson, and Emerson are all fighting for one spot in this formation. How do you rank them on the depth chart? Steve, primo.
1: I mean, yeah, I think Campana is is probably his number one right now. I think Lasseter could be, I think he's more probably more versatile, isn't he? I think you could probably play him in a few different positions, maybe across midfield or 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 up front um and then yeah i mean robbie robertson again he, he's injured right now but um you know they i think the, mo- the most important takeaways is, is that they've got options now and that he can change things up you know you in game management you've got to mix things up sometimes if things aren't going your way and he's got options on the bench and in reserve that he can do that and i don't think they've had that before so that's that could be seen as a positive i guess
0: so you're saying campana last robinson rodriguez those are that's your depth chart
1: I guess, I mean, I've not seen Rodriguez play, so I don't know. And, um, you know, I've seen Campania play once. So, I mean, I've got, you know, you'd think that is the way from from speaking to Phil Neville. That's how it sounds right now. Um, But, you know, the proof will be in the pudding.
0: Okay. Next question comes from Mega. And he says, and I will answer this one. Who is your stylist, Franco? I am my own personal stylist. and He I clearly went...
1: doesn't have one, is the answer to that.
0: <laughs> hey, I said I was answering this one. Uh, look, I, I wore... It's the first game of the season. I always wear suits to the, to the Inter-Miami games. And in this one, I had a white suit that I had not worn yet. And I was like, you know what? I'm going all white. I wore a black shirt underneath. I wore all, all white. It was very Miami Vice looking. I got a lot of compliments from... Actually, some some lady at the gas station on the way to the stadium. I got compliments at the pregame tailgate by by a lot of different people. Phil Neville wasn't as a big of a fan of the style choice during the press conference when he walked in. He 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 made a joke, and we had a good laugh about it today. Also, he made another joke about it on Wednesday here in this pregame press conference. He also made a joke about it, and you know we we had a good laugh, good bit of banter. I thought I looked nice. I don't care what you say, Steve. I don't know what Jose's opinion is, but I thought I looked nice. So no
2: comment. No
0: comment. <laughs> Dang, Jose! I thought I thought you were on my side, man. All right. Okay. I see, I, I see how it is. Uh, next question, and it could be for anybody here. Jason Siegel asked any recommendations for a good watch party for the upcoming road game against Austin in the Fort Lauderdale area. So, Jason apparently is not going to be going to Austin as some Inter fans are. Do you guys have any recommendations? I have one. I have one. But I don't Yeah, know that sounds
2: more done. like a Franco question because we work a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you mean? Are you not going to be at an open bar on Friday night, Jose? Yes, you are. Stop it. And I will say, I will say, I saw this Southern Legion was promoting it, and they were going to be at a bar in Hollywood, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm blanking on the name right now. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone. Uh Crap. I'm not able to pull it up. I will find out where because I definitely saw them promoting... um, What is the name of that bar in downtown Hollywood? Steve, help me out here. I know you've been to downtown Hollywood before. I've got no idea. Mickey Burns? Mickey Burns, maybe? Tell me you've been to Mickey Burns before, Steve.
1: No, I haven't. Sounds sounds
0: brilliant okay mickey burns yes that that is the name of the irish pub in hollywood and i believe that's where southern legion is promoting watching the game but i will double check and i will message you directly jason siegel uh, or i'll quote tweet it so that you know anybody else who's interested can see it if they follow me on twitter but i believe that is a place where you can watch the game on sunday so that is the that is the answer to that question last question that we have for this week that we will answer and it goes to the floor question is, it's on Noah Allen, if Noah's good enough to start the opener, why isn't he on the Inter-Miami roster?
2: Because there's uh, two other players named Karen Gibbs and Brick Shea, and they have experience and they have at least Karen Gibbs a lot of quality, so that's that's why. That's why. And he needs to, he still needs to develop. He's good for one game or two, but not for the entire season. That's why.
0: I think I, I again I said it at the beginning of the pod I'll say it again I definitely think he will be signed to a deal fairly soon because clearly he's he's probably ready to at least be training with the MLS team day in and day out as he he has been during preseason so I think it's just they just need to sign him if they need to loan him out to the to Inter Miami 2 to get him game time that's fine but I think it's I think he's worthy of having an MLS contract at this point and I'm not going off of one game, going off what I've seen in training and what I saw in preseason. Steve, anything you want to add there?
1: Um, not really. Other than, I just, yeah, I like, I think, you know, that's this, what they've said about just bringing the youth through. I think it's always great to see homegrown players come through and, um, you know, and, and impress. And I think he, he, did, he did really, really well for a kid of that age in his first MLS game. I thought, I thought he was great and it's encouraging for the future.
0: Okay, final thoughts, guys. Who wants to start? Who wants to start? Steve, Jose.
1: Yeah, Steve. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, I just I thought I felt that they were just they look refreshed. They look rebooted, and I just think um, yeah, look, it wasn't. Steve, a your final
0: thought doesn't have to be on the Inter Miami. It can be on anything, anything, That's anything what? you want. If you want to talk about Football Manager some more, you go for it. It doesn't have to. I'm just letting you know it doesn't have to be on
1: Inter Miami. I, 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 I mean, there's obviously a lot. Of, Going you can, on in the you world can talk right to Miami now.
0: if you want, though. You can talk into Miami if you want. I'm just saying, It doesn't always yeah. have to be.
1: No, I look. Listen, I um, no, I will talk about the match, and um, I no, I just I thought they um, after everything they've gone through in the transfer market and stuff, I just thought it was a, uh, it was a nice positive experience. Dave was there, and Jorge and Jose, all our old friends. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was good to see everyone. Of course, in this week, we can the, the big guy, Matthew McConaughey, versus David Beckham.
2: What, what more do you want? <laughs>
0: All right, all right, Jose, you're up next.
2: Yeah, my final thought is on Miami FC, yeah, baby. <laughs> this Friday, the new jersey is coming out. They are telling me, they are telling me it's at the top of the list when it comes to jerseys, at least in USL Championship. And if that's the case most likely in the overall landscaping soccer or football in the u.s because as we know mls is very predictable with jerseys so look out i'll be tweeting um i have invited franco I- i'm bringing him along with me to the party on friday so you know it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be i was good. supposed
1: to be i was actually supposed to be going i was supposed to be going to that as well but i'm going instead to um taking my daughter to go and watch wwe wrestling in miami <laughs> So was, right.
0: you won't you won't be far away maybe you'll make it for the, the yeah I, 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 jose 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 you just said uh, that they told you that it's the best one of the best jerseys or the best jersey in your soul what else were they going to say are they going to say it's the third best the the sixth best of course they're going to promote and push their jersey no, no,
2: no i i i didn't mention any names and i never said and maybe you misunderstood somebody told me
0: it, uh, somebody you said day you said day
2: Not necessarily related to the team, right? People that have seen the jersey, they've told me it's very, very, very nice. So I guess we'll be tweeting out on, on Friday night. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you'll be work. you'll be tweeting out drunkenly while you as you have like eight typos in your in your tweet because of <laughs> the open bar that they're uh, that they're having during this event. While we're on the topic of jerseys, and I know we've touched on this on a few pods now this year, but now we've seen the whole inter Miami look. I ask you guys very quickly what you think of the all pink look on the field, and I will start with you, Jose, because I know you weren't a fan of the jersey itself.
2: Yeah, no, still, I don't buy it. I don't like it. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you need, you need more flair. I need, more than one color is okay, MLS. More than one color is more than acceptable. Uh, so no, yeah, still not, not, not good enough for me. Uh, Steve quite liked it to be honest. I thought it was uh, look, looked pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Gonzalo Higuain wore it very well indeed.
0: I will side with Steve on this one. I loved it. I loved the look. I love the look. I, I Again, I'm of the belief that it, it should at some point, you should, they should mix and match just to have different looks. Pink, black, pink uh, in terms of the shorts and then the socks or pink, pink, black. Just mix it up at times. But I I was very impressed with the all-pink look on the field in person and then on TV as well. And I, I think that was the the growing... In, or the general consensus in terms of initial impression, by and large, from what I've I've seen and heard from people. There are some people that don't like it. A lot of people said it looks like a pajama. I've never worn a pajama that looked uh, that looked like that or that was all pink, but that's just but that's just me. So my final thought will be on Jorge Mas potentially expanding his ownership of football teams in the world to uh, team in La Liga and there had been oh. reports so, sorry Jose no go ahead No, you, you, I thought you were going to say something no 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 he's I'm not
1: just... going to buy Chelsea is he is he going to buy Chelsea <laughs>
0: no, no, three,
1: no. $4 billion dollars?
0: no 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 so Jorge Mas had been rumored <clears throat> to be interested in buying Real Zaragoza and he confirmed that in an interview with the Miami Herald our good friend Michelle Kaufman of course and he and he said that they are looking at exploring different things, and, and that you know more or less along those lines. So it looks like it's a possibility for Jorge Mas to to tap in to a, a team in Spain. What that would mean for a relationship with Inter Miami would be very very interesting, and be curious to see how how that works. Do they send some players on loan over there? Do they bring players on loan over here? Etc. Cetera, et cetera. It would be an interesting development if that comes to pass so keep an eye out on that that obviously developed towards the end of the uh, last week after we recorded our show so just wanted to provide that update but that does it for this week's show unless you guys want to talk quickly about football manager steve steve
1: plenty of plenty of time for that as jose begins his brave brave reign in honduras to lead them to yes. the glory I'm, i can't wait i'm on tenterhooks to find out how he's going to get
2: on
0: I might start. I might play too. I might play too. I'm not going to lie. You keep talking about it and you're selling me. I yeah, absolutely but, think you're 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 marketing for them, but anyway.
2: Yeah, but it's not the same because you're coming back. I'm here for the first time. So I'm
1: jealous. I'm jealous of you. It's like watching the Sopranos or the Wire for the first time. I am eager to see how you're going to get on, but it's uh, it's a long road. It's
0: a long road. <laughs> He's going to break his laptop in half when he can't win uh, a single game in the first 10 10 Matches of the Motagua season, he gets he gets canned. But anyway, we will leave it there. We will be back next week to recap and review and analyze the match against Austin FC and preview the next home game against LAFC. So make sure you stay tuned to that. Of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a review. It helps us out tremendously on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. For Steve Brenner, for Jose Armando, I am Franco Panizo is Miami Total Football Radio, and we'll talk to you guys again very soon.